0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I've been excited and uh, excited about what God's doing here and what He's going to do in this next season. And uh, I was curious if you have thought about this at all, but coming out of Missions Encounter, Uh, I'm wondering, if you're wondering, what is our next series going to be as far as the word 2019 already? We started the year off moving into the facility with a series called No Perfect People Allowed. And then we did a series called My Big Mouth, and that was fun. And then we did a series on the Holy Spirit. And through the summer, we had a series on our greatest needs. And then we did the Beatitudes. How many remember that before? Are you tracking with me? You're like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember that, and uh, and I'll just say that type of preaching, topical, taking a series and and uh, taking a topic and preaching is unusual for me, and if you haven't been with the, us uh, previous. Uh, then you may be surprised that we actually, uh, as a rule, uh, do more expository preaching where we take a book of the Bible and we take it line by line and we say, all right, the power is in the Word of God and we highlight that and we let it uh, ring loud and true. And so we're heading back into a season of expository preaching and we are going to cover the Gospel of Mark. And I'm passionate about this. And we want to preach the whole counsel of God. We want to be faithful to the Word of God. And we don't want just to hit easy passages or things that maybe I'm burdened about or maybe, you know, whatever a hot topic is. We want to hit the Word of God, and it will cause us to preach on things that maybe we wouldn't normally preach on. If it was up to me, I would probably preach about missions one Sunday Sunday. And then the next Sunday, I would talk about giving and talk about money. That's me, because that's something I'm passionate about. And then the next Sunday, I'd come back and talk about missions. And then I'd probably do another Sunday on money, because that's something I'm passionate about. And you guys, you, some of you know that about me. If we're talking at any length of time, I'm probably going to talk about finances or debt-free living, things like that. And then if there was a five-Sunday month, it would be missions giving, missions, money, and then I'd probably do a a week on missions and money together. And that's just the reality. And so to help us to stay on track and to do more of the whole counsel of God, we're going to do some expository preaching. And my conviction is that when truth is presented, it transforms lives. Do you believe that? I mean, that's why you're here. And so in the next five weeks, we're going to preach through the entire book of Mark. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we are going to do the next five weeks, and then we're going to take a break for Christmas. We're doing a Christmas series called A Christmas to Remember, uh, December 8th through the 29th, and you'll want to make sure you're a part of that. We've got some big goals. We are believing that 500 people will come through our doors in, in the month of December and uh, to, be, to hear, and uh, we, that's our goal, and so we've got some work to do, and uh, that means all of us are going to be activated. So Christmas to remember. But then we'll be back in the Gospel of Mark for 2020. That's primarily going to be where we're going to be focusing. And we'll break that down into some uh, chunks. And and we're just believing that God is going to use this series. You say, why the Gospel according to Mark? And that's a good question. Well, like I mentioned, I've been drawn to the Gospels, that it transforms lives, and there's power in that. And we've preached through the book of John in its entirety. We've preached through big sections of the book of Matthew, and Matthew's kind of a long uh, book anyway, and we already just did the Beatitudes, and to start, and then to skip the Beatitudes, that didn't make sense. And so I was really looking at Luke or Mark, and really, Mark kind of rose to the top. And I have never studied in depth the book of Mark, but as I began to let it simmer, I realized that it's not only one of the first Gospels that was written after the resurrection, but it's the simplest of Gospels. And for new believers, people in our lives that are new to the faith, This is a great gospel. Some people say, Oh, you should start reading in the book of John. How many have ever heard that? Like, once you're a new believer. Well, I mean, John, you can't go wrong with any of the gospels. But after about eight or nine chapters, there's some confusing stuff in the book of John. Like, We have to eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood, right? And it's like, ugh, like what's this about? Well, we don't get any of that in the book of Mark. And there's not a lot of discourse. It's really just purely the story of Jesus. N.T. Wright, one of the commentators I've been reading, said this. It's the shortest and the sharpest of stories about Jesus. It was the first to be written after the resurrection. And then listen to this. The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark was meant to grab you by the collar, which I'm not wearing a collar today, but grab you by the collar and make you face the truth about Jesus, about God, and about yourself. And with God's help, that's what we're going to do. Now, the book of Mark, it was written to a group of believers that were living in Rome, so, some Roman believers. There was definitely persecution for those that were turning their faith over to uh, to Jesus. And what's interesting is that unless you were in charge, we're illiterate. And so, Mark was a simple gospel. It's just simple to read. And it was meant to read and reread, it was meant to keep your interest. There's a lot of movement in the book of uh, Mark. And what's interesting to me is as I've studied, we points out, a commentator I've been using. He points out that uh, within the the book of Mark, there's the word "immediately" that is used 41 times. 41 times, and that word "immediately" is only used 14 other times in all of the rest of the New Testament. And what's cool is when you start to look at it, uh, even in just the first chapter. Look at well, look at this with me. Mark chapter one, verse 10. Says this, and he came up out of the water. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. Verse 18 says this, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Verse 20 says this, And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed Jesus. Verse 21, And they went up to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Verse 23, And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 29, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Verse 30, uh, let's see. And now Simon, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Verse 42, last one in the chapter 1, says, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And you're saying, Mark, what is the big hurry? All this immediately, immediately, all this movement, all this action, and it was action-packed because... There was an urgency to get people the gospel. It was the first book written, the first gospel written. And it's the good news, and it makes a difference. And I would encourage you to read it in its entirety. And when you do so, you will see three questions that are answered. Who is Jesus, number one? Why did he come? And what does it mean to follow him? And what you're going to find out as well when you read the book of Mark compared to the other Gospels is that it's different. It's more in your face. Over and over, we're going to see the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus, until it's impossible to be neutral. Paul Tripp, another commentator I'm using, says this, and I'll read, this is a quote, you have to respond to this Jesus. You have to respond to who he is. You have to respond to what he has done. You have to respond to what he says about you. You have to decide whether you will follow him. You have to face the reality of the cross. And then I'll put the last verse up uh, quote, you have or you cannot be neutral and read the gospel of Mark. Either you're going to believe it or you're going to walk away from it. Either you're going to put your faith in God, in Jesus, or you're going to walk away. And there's no riding the fence. And with that, I'm excited. And I'm curious uh, how the Lord is going to work in this next season. And I believe God has got big plans. Now, let's talk about who Mark was. And uh, as we talk about that, you know, who is Mark? There's a few things that, as you do a little study, that sometimes in Scripture, he's called John Mark. And he was young, a young man. And so when you see John Mark in the book of Acts in particular, that's the same Mark. So it's Mark or John Mark. We also know when you study that he was the cousin of Barnabas. He was connected with Paul and Silas pretty intimately. And throughout the book of Acts, we see Mark or John Mark being connected for sure. But what I did not know about Mark is that he actually walked away from ministry at one point in his life. In fact, some commentators describe Mark as a quitter. It was interesting. So much so that Paul did not want him to go on the journey for his second missionary journey. He did not trust Mark. In Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 16, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they're on their way one way, and Barnabas, his cousin, picks Mark back up and gives him a second chance and reinstates Barnabas. And what I see is a theme, and what we're gonna see over these years or over the year of 2020 is that the gospel of Mark is a gospel of second chances. And I love that because how many of us have ever failed, right? We've made mistakes. We've, we've, The enemy, he wreaks havoc with our mind. And, and maybe we've been disqualified for a season. We've been out and on the sideline. And I just want you to know that whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you've seen, whatever you've said, that what, even though it's tragic, tragic and as horrible as it might be, it is not final. God is a God of second chances. And when we read the book of Mark, we're going to see that loud and clear. So we say, who is Mark? He's a God of second chances. He had a second chance. Mark was close to the uh, the, uh, apostle Peter. In fact, it's probable that Peter led Mark to the Lord. He's described as a spiritual son of Peter. In fact, he Uh, writes the book of Mark from Peter's perspective, and I'll talk about that later. And you say, who's Mark? Well, Mark is not a preacher. He's not an evangelist. He doesn't have a lot of pizzazz. He's not highly educated. In fact, in the eyes of normal people or, or the crowds, Mark was nothing special. But what was he? He was a helper. He was a good helper. He would come alongside. He was a behind the scenes type person. John Mark or Mark, he was a servant. And that gives me the, or leads me to the second theme that we'll see that the gospel of Mark is a servant's gospel. And of course, we see Jesus being the, the uh, ultimate servant uh, that it says in Mark chapter 10 verse 45, it says, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see Jesus as the servant king. Jesus is the servant of all, but Mark was an example as well, a servant. I love that when we talk about a servant gospel, (laughs) uh, it's evidence right at the very beginning of the gospel. There's no genealogy like the other three Gospels. In Matthew and Luke, there's a genealogy that's kind of written out. And then in John, there's a divine genealogy um, that's there. And you say, well, why why did Mark not include the tie between Jesus and Adam or Jesus and King David? And the reason is, is because he was kind of a servant. He's a slave. And no one cares about a servant's genealogy. And then because of that, he jumps right in, and it's like, bam, it's the gospel. It's the good news, and it's a significant that with the good news, the gospel is clear, loud and clear. Now, when we think of the gospel, we often think Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the four gospels. That's where our mind goes. But the original readers, what we're going to read here in just a second when it says the gospel, uh, they were, Mark was writing to a secular audience that had given their hearts to the Lord, but they had a secular background. And gospel meant that there was a new king a new reign, that peace was coming, a new season, that there was hope. And when we read this, and we're going to get into it right in a second, it's this gospel is of Jesus. The good news is for today, and there's a new king, and his name is Jesus. And it's loud and clear. And so without further ado, let's look at Mark chapter 1. I want you to turn in your Bibles, uh, turn in uh, your phone to this. You can uh, look on the screen if you don't have uh, any way to do that. I want to read the first eight verses, and then we will pray. Look what it says. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way Prepare your way, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. Verse six. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes uh, comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized with water, you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that these first few, few verses in Mark as an introduction will ring loud and true in our hearts. God, I pray that the foolish, foolishness of preaching would change hearts and lives today. Challenge us today. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Let's look at this verse by verse and just kind of take it as a, as a goal. The first word that stands out, and I encourage you to circle in your Bible or in a minute when you get uh, a copy of what I'm reading out of, I'll explain that a little later. You can circle this word. It's the word gospel. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel, again, a new reign, a new kingdom, hope is coming, a peace is coming, and we, the peace comes as a result of who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And what we can read here and infer in this first verse is that God, he rescues his people. He delivers, and God is a God that comes alongside and helps us where we are. Amen? And then in verse 2, it says this, as it is written in the in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. And you pause there. And some of you are looking at your footnote below, and it says that that's from Malachi, not from Isaiah. And I just want you to see, Malachi was a minor prophet, and then the very next phrase is from Isaiah, from Isaiah 40. And, and the, so it was a common practice to put... Uh, both in, and just to name the major prophet Isaiah. And so let's read those together. It says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his way, or make his paths straight. Someone's calling out, making it known that the Messiah was coming. And in a practical way, they were out making the roads prepared. They're taking care of mudslides or cleaning up the roads and and, uh, those roads that had been damaged. It's kind of like an advanced team going ahead. And you say, well, who fulfilled that prophetic word? Well, it was John the Baptist. The son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's look at it. Verse 4. It says, John, that's John the Baptist, appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. If I was circling in my Bible, I'd circle the word wilderness there. And it's interesting. Why wilderness? Why did he have to go outside of the city? Well, he went out of the city. He was calling people out. And I realized that we. Meet God in the wilderness. Think about it. There's an example in Scripture over and over. Jacob wrestled with God in the wilderness, Moses in the burning bush was out in the wilderness. The Ten Commandments were giving, uh, given up in the mountains, in the wilderness. Elijah needed a word from God. Where did he get the answer? In the wilderness. And even Jesus himself, in verse 12 of Ma- Mark chapter 1, he, after he's baptized, he heads into the wilderness. What can we see here? What's the application for us? Is that God calls us out to himself to have total dependency on him. And the application is there may be some things that we need to leave behind to let go, maybe for a season or maybe for good. Things in our lives, pop culture, maybe our phones and internet and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook or the game that we love to play so much. And we need to say something like this, I'm going to meet God in the wilderness, where there's a desperation, a dependency on God, because God, He absolutely meets His people in the wilderness. And next week, we're going to talk about that wilderness experience a little greater, and we're going to give you some tools, and we're going to challenge you to to cut away some things in your life, but that's not the goal for today. Uh, Let's continue. Let's look at verse 4 and verse 5. As I read these again, the uh, the idea here, I want you to see the word baptism. It says verse 4, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of ra- repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And in the country of Judea and all Jerusalem, were are going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. When you read this, you have to know How unusual this was. And we're going to talk about baptism next week and look at Jesus and His baptism. But this is a sign right from the very beginning for the Gospel of Mark that it is not business as usual. Something has changed. And there is definitely, without a doubt, an urgency in Mark and what's happening here in, in John the Baptist story. Verse 6, let's continue. It says, And now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. It's interesting when you study that, the camel hair was different. It was not a linen. It would have been rough and kind of hairy. But it, as you study this, this was the robe of a prophet. He was wearing prophetic clothes, if that's even uh, a thing, a prophetic outfit. And I've thought about, I was looking at my wardrobe, what could I wear this week to church? And is this prophetic? I mean, it's not. (laughs) And uh, and I don't know if there's anything there, but I couldn't find anything. But I, I thought it was interesting to think about. And then it says that he ate locusts and honey. And I always thought, oh, he's out there catching little bugs, and, and he's you know in the bees hive, and you know getting stung. And I mean, this guy's you know a rebel. But I understand now that it was he was eating from a locust tree where there were seeds, and he was uh, it would have been date honey, not from a honeycomb or where bees are around. And so I th- I was thinking it was like John the Baptist was eating Cliff Bars or a Kind Bar. And uh, it was sustainable, it met his needs, it wasn't elaborate, but it was definitely not bugs and bees and all that. You say, well, what was John the Baptist, what was his message, what was he saying? And what you have to read, or what you got to see here, is that Jesus was coming. Look at it, verse 7, and he preached, saying... After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. We see John the Baptist as a servant here. He knows his place. He presents it that Jesus is coming, but he does it with humility. It's not just lip service. In fact, he meant it. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, when, John, uh, when Jesus came to him, in another example, when, the same story seen in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Matt, John says he, he tried to detour him, and he says, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And so it wasn't just lip service. We see the same thing in John chapter 1. And so we see, John, his message is that Jesus is coming. And then lastly, verse 8, he says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And some of your versions might say with Holy Spirit and with fire. And I love that. And next week, again, we're going to talk about Jesus' baptism, and we'll look at some of these verses, our crossover. But for me, As I've been sitting with this and kind of creating uh, a a message series and today's kind of like an introduction. Let me just remind you of some of the things that we've talked about. We see uh, the gospel of Mark. We see Mark, he was saved by Peter. He's a spiritual son. He had a time where he walked away from ministry. He kind of waffled out, made some mistakes. He was not perfect. Aren't you glad there are not perfect people that God used he was reinstated by Barnabas. We see uh, Mark as the helper, as a servant, so much so that he actually doesn't write the gospel from his perspective, but instead he writes it from Peter's perspective, who was his spiritual father. And uh, I never knew that. And you say, well, Mark, what was so important that you wrote this gospel? Why are you writing this. And why was it the first one written? So there was this urgency. Prepare the way of the Lord. And the big key is that Jesus was coming. Even in this introduction, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You might read the first eight verses and say, oh, that's about John the Baptist. No, it's about Jesus and about John the Baptist saying, hey, prepare. The King is coming. There was an urgency. There was a movement, there was immediacy, and we'll see that throughout the book of Mark. And what I, what kind of just captured my heart, and the question I want to ask us, and I'm, I'm including myself in this, is how urgent are we when it comes to making Jesus' name famous? We come up with excuses like, well... You know, I'm just nothing. I'm just, you know, I'm a nobody. God couldn't use me. And you may not say that out loud, but you may think that. You may say, well, my past. Well, Pastor, if you just knew what I've done or what I've said or where I've been or what I've seen, and you say, you know, I, I would be disqualified from being used to get the word out about Jesus. And I just want to say that Mark, has a different perspective. It's a gospel of second chances. And then you say, "Well, my gift set." You know, Pastor. You know, look at Bobby. I mean, he's so good with music. And and uh, look at uh, Pastor Bruce. He's so good with youth. And and uh, let those guys or look at you, Pastor. I mean, you're you're not nervous preaching, right? And that's not always the case. But you say my gifts, and and it's you know what? It's not about our gifts. It's about our heart to serve. We see in the Gospel of Mark that it's a servant's gospel. Are you willing to serve to make the name of Jesus famous? And I wrote in my notes, and I've debated whether to put this on the screen. In fact, I added it this morning uh, with Bonnie. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to include myself in this. And I want to just settle in for a moment. Do we, you and I, even care If the name of Jesus is made famous, look over your last week, your last month, over the last year, and I'm challenged. Do we even care by the way we spend our time, by the way we challenge our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers? Or are we flying under the radar like we don't care? I'm challenged by this story and Mark's urgency, Mark's gospel here, the gospel of good news, the gospel being uh, put forward. And I I was convicted because I don't think my life is always 100% Jesus. I'm challenged by the gospel of Mark. But I'm also challenged this week, and it came out of left field, let me say, by another person that I'm challenged by. In fact, I'm going to put a picture up, and I'm just curious by a show of hands if you know who this person is. All right. Kanye West. First service I said, Kiana West. (laughs) That's how much I know who, who this is. This is Kanye. And before this week... If you would have put this uh, picture up here, I would have not been able to raise my hand saying I know who that is. In fact, if you offered me $100,000, U.S. Dollars, I could not have pulled up that name other than it says Kanye behind it maybe. Maybe I could have d- d- determined that. You say, well, why is Kanye's picture up here and why you, are you being challenged by this guy? Well, this week in my house, we started listening to Kanye totally out of left field. Logan is listening to Kanye. I'm saying, what is this? And he's like, hey, he gave his heart to the Lord. Did you? You, Some of you didn't even know. And some of you are like the rest of the the culture. And what's crazy is I did a little digging, and uh, Kanye has been compared to the Apostle Paul where he at one point was totally against God and now is totally for God, and so he's been related there. We could compare Kanye to John the Baptist because in Mark chapter 1, verse 5, it says that people went out to see him. And I'm telling you, stadiums across the nation and across the world are being filled by people where they're coming to see Kanye and you could even make the argument that he could be compared to the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark because Kanye is experiencing a second chance in his life. And I did some digging because I thought, man, is this real? And uh, Pastor uh, Bobby sent me some stuff, and there's been a massive spike in faith-based Google search after Jesus is King, his re- most recent album that we were listening to, came out. And there's a lot of things you can look into. There was an interview that Apple Music did that I watched in its entirety at two times the speed, but I watched the whole thing. It was a two-hour interview, and I was sitting there amazed. He's sharing about Christ. He's saying that everything he does now is for Jesus. He's going back to redo songs to make them Christ-focused, and I'm telling you, he is as bold as a lion And he's saying, look, Jesus, it's all for Jesus. Kanye West. And I know what some of you are thinking. Are you sure? And it's it's easy to doubt, right? But there's an urgency. He is saying people need to know. Everything he does is for Jesus now. And talk about influence. This guy's got influence beyond what I ever imagined. And I know that it's polarizing some of you are saying, well, his past, right? Or, you know, it, are you saying he's perfect now? Of course not. I'm sure he's not. Um, but I'm telling you, he's making a difference. And let's let God be the judge, right? And our job as Christians is to judge the fruit. And I'm telling you, from what I saw this week as I dug in to Kanye West and his story, is that the fruit is Jesus. And people are turning to faith. And people all over the world are coming to know Jesus. Now, I know that there are some here that are saying, Pastor, I can't believe you put a picture of Kanye West up in in church. (laughs) And I know that we can be critical, right? And we could say, well, time will tell, right? Like, is this just what I, you know. But instead of being critical, I'm challenged by three final questions. Number one, don't be critical. Ask yourself. How are you sharing your faith? Because I promise you, Kanye West is sharing his faith in a big, big way. How are you sharing your faith? Do you even care if the name of Jesus is made famous? I know it's hard. Number two, does your life point people to Jesus? The way you live, the way you act, the way you talk. The way you spend your money, the you know, your life as a whole, is it pointing people to Jesus? Or are you so under the radar that people, if they found out that you were a Christian or that you went to church on a Sunday, they would be shocked. Does your life point people to Jesus? And then finally, as I've studied and sat with the book of Mark, and we're going to get into it over these next several weeks, and then 2020, Is there an urgency in your life to make the name of Jesus known? Do you even care? Does your life reflect an urgency? Paul, it was important to Paul, or or Mark. Mark, it was important to Mark. Is it important to you? to get the word out. Prepare the way. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, for the challenge of your word. And I pray over these next few moments that you just continue to grab our hearts. And Lord, that we would take our walk with you seriously. In these last days, I pray that there would be an urgency, that our lives would be pointing to you, Jesus. And Lord, we would even if it's hard, we would share our faith because you are coming. You're coming back for your church. There's an urgency. Lord, we thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want your eyes on me here just for a moment. All across this place, the reality is that every Sunday, there's enough of us gathering that almost inevitably, there's gonna be someone that comes through these doors that needs Jesus to save them. And maybe it's a rededication coming back to the Lord, or maybe it's a first time, man, I've never heard the name of Jesus. And, uh, and we just wanna give you the opportunity. We wanna present the free gift of salvation. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and uh, this is a prayer that could be your prayer. And uh, if you believe that Jesus died for you and that he is the Savior and you want to put your faith in him, would you agree with me as I pray? Lord, I pray right now that you would save me, that you would forgive me of all my sins. God, I pray that my life would represent you. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And right now I'm putting my faith in you. And Lord, I trust that you are going to clean me up. Lord, you're going to take my sin, as the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray that you're not going to hold my sin against me. But Lord, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. Help me to live for you, Jesus. In your wonderful name, I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm just curious if there's anyone here. As I was praying that prayer, you're saying, Pastor, that was my prayer. Would you just slip up your hand where you are? I want to just encourage you. Yeah, in the back here. Who else saying yes? That's my prayer. God, you're doing a work in my life. I'm coming back to you. Or man, I'm I'm accepting you as my savior. Anybody at all? All right. For the sake of the one, we just celebrate and we'll connect here at, before the end of the service before you leave. But I want to just challenge you. Was there someone else? Who else? Someone on the side I didn't see. Just put up your hand again if you would. Yeah, thanks. Okay, got it. All right, awesome. Awesome. Two in the house today. Praise God. Isn't it great how God stirs us and helps us and brings us back to him? Amen? Amen. Amen. Two two quick thoughts. Number one is we want this series in the book of Mark in your life. And one of the ways we're going to do that is by providing a little tool that I was preaching out of. It's the gospel according to Mark. But what's unique about this is that it's not only the gospel on one side of the page, on the other side, it's completely blank. And on the blank side, we want you to be taking notes on Sunday or in your personal study at home that would relate to what's on the other side of the text. And we just believe that as you do that, this little booklet could become a tremendous treasure for you. Now, we're providing these at $5 each. Um, they're on the back table, but we don't want money to be a barrier. Uh, we put an envelope in each of them that has, a. it says the book of Mark, and then uh, $5 at some point over the next couple weeks. Just drop $5 into that, put it in the offering so we can account for it every single person to have a copy. So we want you to take that on your way out. And uh, we believe that, again, it's going to be a treasure to you. It's going to help you grow. You bring it with you week in and week out. For, all, for most of 2020, we'll be in the book of Mark and we want to encourage you to make this. And so you'll want to write your name in it uh, like I did. I put my phone number if I lose it or if someone steals it. Just kidding. Anyway, so that's number one. The second thing is as we leave, I know the Lord's been stirring and some of you weren't here and did not participate in our faith promise pledges. And uh, if you're ready to make a faith promise like Jessica and I did, we did today, we put ours in in the bucket and added to next week. And uh, th- uh, today and for the next two Sundays, we're receiving faith promises. Again, if you make a faith promise, you keep the little portion and then you give the other portion. We're just gonna count those up. One person is gonna do that. No one else is gonna see. And then we're going to, uh, uh, we'll announce that on the last Sunday of November. And uh, and we're just believing that God's stirring there. And then uh, if you turn in a faith promise, we want you to take a key chain in return to remind you that missions has been and always will be the key to our future. That's corporately, but it's also the key to your future so when you use that keychain, it'll remind you of your missions, faith, promise, and what God's doing in your life. And we're just believing that generosity is increasing all across the board. And so those are on the table as well, and you'll want to interact with that. And then the last thing, I'll go ahead and stand up. We wanted to close today's service. Man, I went a little long, but that's okay. We want to close today's service um, with an anthem, with a charge. And there's a song we've sang. And uh, we want to sing it together with some intensity, knowing that we're headed into a good season, that we serve a good God, and it's called Good Grace. And without further ado, let's sing this out. At the end of the song, you can be dismissed. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.